I wonder if we can just take a moment. Can we just put our hands together and give God a cheer? Come on, let's just bless his name. We bless your name, Lord. You're high and lifted up. Hallelujah today. You're amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, isn't God good? Has God been good to you or what? Amen. Hallelujah. If God's been good to you, just lift your hand and say, Man, Lord, you've been so good, so faithful, so awesome to me. Lord, I give you all my praise this morning. Amen. You may be seated. So good to see everybody here today and uh, seeing all the smiling faces, of course. And uh, uh, we just really appreciate our time together in the house of the Lord. And thank God we have the freedom to worship. Amen. Have the freedom to gather and worship and in our um, country and in this place. And so we won't take we want to take advantage of that. Don't ever want to take that for granted. Uh, so you just kind of look at somebody and smile, turn to them and smile and and uh, have them check your breath, your teeth and say how you're doing this morning. Uh, I believe you can still smell somebody's breath, even though you're social distance away. Uh, so anyways, anyway, so, so good to see everybody. We um, you know, know that this is certainly a time of giving. Uh, time for family. How many know no pandemic is going to shut down family? Amen. We still love family. And so, right. But this is also a season of giving, of course, that we emphasize. We, we, we can say that about the Christian life all year round, right? But especially now. So I would encourage you to give a little extra. Uh, I'm not talking about money, but of yourself. And um, just that maybe you would consider helping out and serving in one of the ministries, churches, organizations, uh, agencies here in the city that help uh, really provide uh, meals, provide uh, shelter, provide uh, clothing and gifts. And uh, just we have some organizations that we support, some ministry support. But, man, there's so many wonderful uh, people in this city that have a heart to give. And so I want to encourage you to just step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And, and uh, maybe it'd just be an afternoon of uh, serving meals, a morning of serving breakfast, or um, just putting toys together or whatever. There's so many wonderful things um, that if you have questions about where to begin, you can call the office. We have a whole list of organizations and ministries in the city that are very active in serving. And so how many it's important for it's important for Christians to serve? Amen. It's important for us to show the love of God. Is that right? Amen. And so I believe there's a tremendous needs in our city and we want to meet those needs. So I want to encourage you to do that. And, I, you know, it's great that we can give money, but how many know God really did a little bit more than just gave us money. He gave us himself. Aren't you glad that Christmas is about when God gave himself? Amen. And so I encourage you as a Christian to give of yourself a little bit more holiday season. And, uh, but uh, just encourage you to love on somebody today. You know, we have heard over the last several months that, uh, you know, this pandemic has really kind of brought a lot of challenges, a lot of different things. But one of the things that uh, we know that if you've really listened and paid attention that really they say that the uh, suicide rate is up and uh, that the depression, the level of depression, anxiety has increased significantly. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching or listening to us today, that Jesus Christ offers hope. That you don't have to take your life or end your life and think that there's nobody listening, nobody loving, there's no way out. I want you to know there is a way out. and There is light at the end of the tunnel and His name is Jesus Christ. And there are people that love you. And there are people in this world that really care. And there are people that will show that to you. And so I want to encourage you and just any way I can, listen, uh, you know, get some help and reach out and reach out to Jesus. How many know the Bible says Jesus said, I'm come to give life and life more abundantly. And when you serve the Lord, you find that even your worst day 
there's hope in even your worst day. Can you open the hand, your hand in heaven and say, there's even hope in my worst day when I'm serving Jesus Christ. And it's just not worth it to take your life and end your life. And most of the time, people end their life because they can't see any other way out. But how many know Jesus Christ is the only way out? Amen, sometimes. Amen. And so I want to encourage those that are listening and watching. Amen. If you need help, need counsel, need advice, or just someone to pray with you over what's going on in your life, please call us. Please reach out to us. And we'll do our best to really, we want to make contact with you and connection with you. And uh, how many believe that we're a people of life? Is that right? We're about life. And so we're about, amen, people saving their life. Amen. We're about the saving of life. And uh, so I want to encourage you. To, that was just on my heart. Amen. To be able to say that to you. You know, something uh, significant. Uh, well, what we're going to do today, we're going to pray. And then uh, instead of reading scripture first and going on with it, I'm going to pray first. Let's pray for people that were, are sick today. I know some people that aren't here today that are sick. And then we'll get on with the word today. Lord, we just thank you today that there is healing in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot heal ourselves. But we have one that can do it, that can heal us and touch our bodies. The creator of us all, the creator of our bodies can touch our bodies. And so I'm asking today that those that are sick, those that are not feeling well, Lord, whatever reason, wherever they are, however they're listening, whoever they're listening with, that you would touch their body by the power of the, of the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is great power in the blood of Jesus. And the blood that, that was shed for our sins is the blood that cleanses us from sickness and disease. And we fully believe that today. And so, Lord, I pray for those that are listening, that are struggling with their health. And there's so many that we have heard of that are really struggling today and really sick in their bodies. But I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. And so I'm asking for that miracle today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I, I, I just heard something that recently really uh, encouraged me. I didn't even know and realize this. And maybe some of you uh, his, history buffs really kind of are, are going to yawn at this one. But, uh, you know, did you realize and, and didn't understand, I didn't understand and realize that this last November, November 11th to be exact, which was on Veterans Day, that it was the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact. Does anybody, did you know that? 1620. Uh, 400 years ago, exactly November 11th, uh, we celebrated the day that they drew up and signed, 42, I believe, signatures, signed the Mayflower Impact, and, uh, or Compact, sorry. I'm going to get one of those packs. And so, you know, it was very interesting, and you study, and, you know, they were on their way uh, to really 102 people, or whatever it was, on the way to really kind of help out, establish the, the Virginia colony, and uh, were blown off course because of our... Uh, our, our, the winds that we experience here in the fall, and uh, 500 miles off course, they ended up in, in Plymouth and Massachusetts, and, and before they even got there, they wrote uh, this compact together, and they wrote this agreement. And I just wanted to read to you part of this. Someone encouraged me on this one, and I thought this was really good. But you know, we, we don't just remember this, this, uh, this time in our history, but you know, it's significant that 400 years, exactly 400 years ago, people made a covenant with God. And I think that's significant. And uh, did you, I don't know if you remember this, probably you haven't read it or heard it since grade school, but um, when you're young, but part of it, it says this, and I love this. It says, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancements of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, covenant 
and combine ourselves together into civil body politic. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? But how many know 400 years ago we made a covenant with God? You know, come on, a bunch of people. You say these were the these people weren't. The, you know, there was actually a lot of trouble on the ship coming over. There was a lot of mutiny and a lot of arguments and a lot of things because it wasn't just one particular group of people. There was people from Spain and all over England and other parts. They didn't agree. They didn't. You know, some were separatists. Some were this. Some were that. Some would agree, but they all agreed on one thing: we need to start a, a colony together under God. How many know? And so I want to just say this 400 years is very significant. And I believe that we're not just in a, a year of 2020 that most of us want to end and, and all of us won't forget. But I believe that something significant is happening in the storyline of, of our lives. Amen. Something is happening in our timeline that God is doing. And 400 is very significant. How many know there was 400 years of bondage with the right children of Israel? There was 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was 400 years where there was no king reigning after Moses. They were governed by the word of God for 400 years. And out of those 400 years, it was what our forefathers and some of these others, amen, William Bradford and some others, penned and our constitution on based on those 400 years that Moses was ruled by the word of God. Think about it. And I don't know about you, but we've had 400 years of independence, but I believe that it, it, it's very significant. I believe that after the 400 years of bondage, how many know there was deliverance? After the 400 years of silence, there was salvation. Amen? And we're celebrating 400 years of independence, but how many know we, we believe that there's something on, on, on the cusp, we're on, on the cusp of something great in God, right? Amen. And so I, I'm encouraged by that, and I just didn't, Realized that. I, I kind of skipped over that. And I, I don't know whether it was just the hunting season or what was going on in, in our culture. But we missed that. And I, I don't know about you, but God remembers covenant. I said God remembers covenant. And I believe personally that the significance in the church, the significance of the church, is our ability to remember the covenant God has made with man. That brings us significance as the church. Not because we come together and we believe the same thing. That doesn't give us significance. What gives us significance is we remember the covenant, amen, that God made with man. That's why we're here worshiping today. Is that right? Thanking the Lord that he brought us together under one umbrella called the blood of Jesus, right? Amen. All, all kinds of different people and colors and races and all. And we came together under the umbrella of the blood of Jesus. And that's why we're worshiping today. So what gives the church significance, I really believe, is to remember the ability to remember the covenant that God has made with man. And so what we have to do is we've got to abide in it. This is some of the things you do when you have a covenant. You've got to live in it. You've got to maintain it. How many know you've got to defend it? Is that right? So I want to just encourage you and share with you today something that's been on my heart about really these, this uh, unstoppable mission that we're a part of. Um, you know, I, I, I just didn't know how to open it up other than just um, kind of going through something I, I heard recently and I thought it was so good, so powerful, it really helped me understand something a little bit better. And, and, um, but anyways, I, I believe that it's time, not time, but we continue as a church to be missional. When we stop uh, focusing on the mission, we, we really get off course. When we stop focusing on why we're here, we really start getting confused, we get distracted. I think there's a lot of things we happen, but I believe that God is really speaking to us as a church that in the next few years, that 2020 has kind of really helped us bring, bring us really, brought us back to a place of, 
of what was important in life and what was important in God and what was our mission all about. And I don't know about you, but really something like this that we go through, a pandemic or whatever it is, really helps everyone focus on what is the mission, what is important in life, what is significant. And I think that we need to come back to the place of mission. I just can't get away from this. And ever since um, hands were laid on us in 2018 to take uh, the pastorate, I believe that my heart has been about mission. My heart has been about not just putting money in an offering so we can send somebody to Africa and drill wells of water. That's great. But I'm talking about making an impact where we live. I believe that a lot of people, uh, it's very, well, let's just say this way. It's second nature, our, our, our nature, our fallen nature, that we want, to, we want to have everybody else do the work. But where we live and who we know and, and, and the city that we, we just, we kind of just snooze on it. We kind of fall asleep and we just say, well, somebody else will do that. And I don't know about you, but I, I appreciate, you know, supporting other people and other nations. But I believe that we have a big, huge mission field right here that we need to pay attention to. Our mission is right here. Our mission is the lost. Our mission is people who need Jesus. Our mission is for those who are in need to be, uh, their needs met through the church or through Christians. Is that right? So I personally believe that I'm going to be, and I, I sense it happening in my life more and more as I get older, I want to be more mission driven than ever before. I believe our church is generational. That's great. I believe that we're spiritual. That's wonderful. But we've got to be missional at the same time. We have got to have purpose in what we do. How many know you can be spiritual and not effective? Amen. Someone said if your church closed its doors, would the city feel the impact? How many know that I think we, we need to start asking ourselves some questions. Are we really living in the mission? Are we fulfilling the mission? Are we just doing church? And I, I think that there's a, a time here that God's doing something in the church that if we're not careful... We could be like the people in, in Jerusalem that Jesus wept over and said, you missed your day of opportunity. I believe we could be like the children of Israel. We, we could miss that moment of crossing over the Jordan into the promised land and just say on the wilderness side. I don't know about you, but I had not called to the wilderness side. I was called to the promised land. From the moment they left Egypt, they weren't called to the wilderness. They were called to the promised land. They were called to Canaan. Amen. Well, Mount, Mount Sinai. And then God said, okay, I got a better plan for you. So you get the picture. God was calling them to something better. How many know it was Pharaoh that wanted them to stay in the wilderness? It was Pharaoh that wanted them to stay in Egypt. But God said, you've got to get out of Egypt because I've got a better place for you. And I believe God's speaking some things like that to the church. So in Revelation chapter 3, I just want to talk a little bit about the mission. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And uh, this definitely is significant for us, important to us, this particular uh, two verses. It says this, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. How many know that applies? We, we can all say we understand what that means. In Philadelphia. So I believe it's talking about Pennsylvanians. Okay. So to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things. He said, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David... He, he who opens and, and, and uh, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your deeds. See how I have placed you uh, before you an open door that no man can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. One of the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. Philadelphia was, was considered and called the faithful church. They were called the faithful church. They were faithful to the word of God. They were faithful to the name of God. To, they did not deny his name. The Bible says a few things here that are very important. That 
he, he who has the key of David. This was Jesus. How many believe that Jesus has the key of David? You can say amen even if you don't understand what that means. Amen. So, so you know, he has the key of David. But listen to it says here, he, he who opens and no one can shut. He who shuts and no one can open. Very interesting about what an open door means and what Jesus was saying here is now the door now stands open, I believe, for salvation. Jesus himself opened the door to salvation. But look at the church of Laodicea. The Bible says that Jesus was on the outside knocking on a shut door. But in the church of Philadelphia, he said there's an open door. You have an open door. I've opened the door and no man can shut. How many believe that when Jesus does something, nobody can reverse it? Amen. When God does something significant, when God does something, nobody's going to be able to reverse it. Amen. Nobody can shut what God opens and nobody can open what God has shut. Amen. And that's what he's saying here. And so let's look on into scripture and how significant this is. And so he's speaking of and read if you read it further, he's speaking of entrance into the messianic kingdom. He's talking to the church. He said that you know Jesus is ruling over the throne of David. And he said, you're going to have this reward. I'm promising you a reward because of your faithfulness. And so I'm just giving you a background on this church. And he said that no one is going to be able to... Listen to this. No one, not even the synagogue of Satan, can shut this door. Read on. That's what he says in verses 9 and 10. He said, even Jewish opponents who seek to deny Gentiles entrance into the Messianic kingdom, not going to be able to deny them... They're not going to be able to deny entrance into the kingdom. He said, listen, when Jesus opens the door for everyone, he said everyone can get in that door. Nobody's going to shut that door. So in other words, you can't say you can't enter the kingdom of God because you're not of Jewish descent. You can't enter the kingdom of God because you're not of this or that of that. How many know Jesus has opened the door? That's what it says. He's opened the door. Nobody is going to be able to shut this door. And now, did you know that he's quoting really from Isaiah chapter 22 and verses 22. This was a messianic prophecy. Uh, Revelation was looking at what had been done. Isaiah was looking to what would happen. And he says this in, in verse 22 of Isaiah 22. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can can open. This was a symbol of, of really unlimited authority over the royal household. So how many know when you have keys to the royal household, you had keys to the palace gate, you had keys to the king's chamber, you had keys to the treasury. That's what he's saying. How many know Jesus has all the power? Jesus has all the authority. Jesus has all, and guess what Jesus said? I'm giving you all this authority. Behold, I give to you the power. I'm giving you this authority. The authority that Jesus has, amen, to open the door. He's given us this power. He's given us authority, amen, to do the same. And so this is very interesting. Just kind of give you a little background about a re revelation, what that means for an open door. But just picture this, an open door. What does that mean? An open door really shows that there's a way out. There, there's a way out. How many know that's kind of plain and simple, isn't it? When you see an open door, how many remember that game show, you know, guess what was behind the door? You know, door number one, whatever the prize was. But, you know, you saw that there was a way out. That's what a door means, an open door. It also means that you provides a view of what lies ahead. When there's an open door, you see what lies ahead. How many know we can see what lies ahead for the Christian? Eternal life, the kingdom of God. Come on. In the presence of Jesus, life everlasting. And so it opens that door. 
But you know, a closed door or a locked door really can represent a dead end. It can create a feeling that there's no way out. But Jesus said, I'm giving you an open door. I have opened a door where this door was shut before. This door was closed and now Jesus himself has opened this door is what Revelation is saying and here into the church of Philadelphia. And he said, I have given you an open door. Not just to, to, to you know, the, the Jewish people, but to the church of Philadelphia. I have given you this door. And I believe that a door can also symbolize opportunity. It can symbolize communication. How many know we talk about open lines of communication? There's an open door now. How many thankful that there is open communication between God and man right now? Amen. And so there's an open door. There's communication. It means agreement. When you have an open door, you, have, you can go in and go out. You can, you can, there's freedom there to, for agreement. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of agreement. It also speaks of provision. When you have an open door, there's also provision. Uh, you know, we can think of it as a restaurant that's open or a restaurant that's closed. I mean, no, it's, it's always a bummer to see your favorite restaurant closed. Some of you might shed a tear when you're on Sundays because Chick-fil-A is closed. But it means provision. But, you know, also a shut door means uh, imprisonment. It can mean that, you know, when you're, there's a door shut behind you and it's locked. How many know that can speak of imprisonment? It can also speak of silence and displeasure and a lack of something. And we see a couple pictures of what closed doors and, are in the Bible. There, the Bible says that the, the, the ark had a big door, one big door. And the, the day that the ark was closed, the Bible says that God sealed that door and it was closed. Nobody could open that door. Is that right? Nobody. Nobody could open that door. He said, I'm leaving a door open and all the animals are coming in and prepare. The Bible says that for over a hundred years that uh, Moses was called in the book of Hebrews called him a preacher of righteousness. He was faithful to preach righteousness to the people of, that were lost there. How many know God gave an open door? But when the Bible says that when the, when the storms came and the ark began to you know, kind of float, the door was shut and God sealed the door. I remember in Matthew 25 the story of the ten virgins and there was foolish virgins. The Bible says that five of them uh, waited till the last moment and they realized they didn't trim their wicks, have any oil of their lamps. And guess what they did? They went and they knocked on the door, but no one came to the door. The door was closed. But the Bible, making it clear, is that in the book of Revelation to the church of Philadelphia that there is an open door. Jesus himself has opened this door. He has, has presented a way out. He has presented this place. And Jesus even said in, in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. Is that what he said? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so what does this open door really mean? Is what, what is this open door now before us and the church of Philadelphia here that we, we, you know, we can uh, identify with? What does that mean, this door that cannot be closed? You know what it is? It's salvation. That's what this open door is. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me, by me. You have to go through the door called Jesus to enter in to salvation. I like to think of it this way. The door is salvation. The hinges are the gospel. Is that right? How many know today we have an open door? The Bible says that whosoever will come and enter in and receive Jesus Christ will be saved. How many know there's an open door before us right now? 
But how many also believe that there is a day that Jesus will shut that door and no man will be able to enter? Come on, Christians. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. And that's, that's the gospel, is that there is an open door. The gospel is that there is hope, that there is a way out, that there is a way through, that there is a way to eternal life. This is the door. The door is salvation and the hinges of the gospel. And so I want to just make this clear that Jesus never stopped his mission. Did you know that? Many people think that when Jesus died, the mission stopped. No, Jesus only fulfilled his part in the mission, but the mission was not complete. Did you know that? And the mission continues today. This open door mission, this door to get people into this, or this mission to get people into this open door, the mission to whosoever will come to get into this door because there will be a day that this door will close and the Bible says that no man will be able to open what God closes. Does anybody believe that? I believe that. And that's why there's an urgency in our heart for the gospel. That's why there's an importance and an emphasis on the gospel in this church and our mission. Because we understand the urgency, don't we? We understand not just the urgency, but we also understand the mercy and the grace that's been extended to us. We get it. We, we understand it. I get the fact that, that grace has been extended to us in such a way that now is the time that anyone can come into the kingdom through Jesus Christ. Is that correct? Uh, well, no, they have to be of this descent and they have to get their lives cleaned up and they have to do this and they have to do all these ceremonies and all these practices and pay money. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. This is the door. How many are thankful that your worst relatives can come in through this door? Come on, the worst of the worst can get into this door because the door is open. Amen. Jesus isn't outside the door knocking today, amen, in this church that he's talking to. This door is wide open to him. And I believe that this is an attitude that our churches need to have. We need to have this open door mission mind. Our church is only closed to those who dress like us, who look like us, who think like us, who believe. Like... No, 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 that's not an open door mission. Jesus is on the outside of those churches knocking and saying, would you let me in, please? Would you let me open this door of salvation? Come on. Amen. And so this is, this is what the, the Bible's talking about. And I believe that just like the church of Philadelphia, we have to understand that faithfulness to the mission is what God is requiring of the church. Come on. It, it, it supersedes our, our methods of doing church. It really does. We get so caught up in doing church, but how many know God is calling us back, just like the book of Revelation, He's calling us to this place of faithfulness to the mission of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible, may, look, look at the Old Testament, how God speaks to the church and how God deals with His people. He always brings them back to center. He doesn't. He always brings them back to His original intent. He always brings them back to His call, doesn't He? Is that right? He always brings them back to the original agreement, the original promise. He always brings them back to that original covenant of Abraham, doesn't he? Always brings them back to his original purpose and intent, didn't he? In 40 years, guess what God was always dealing with them about? Listen, I didn't bring you out here to die. I brought you out here to live. I brought you out here to be a people, by people, and establish a nation. So God was constantly doing it. How many of God's still doing that with us as the church? He's constantly working and dealing. And, and Jesus said, I'll build my church. Well, what does he keep doing? I think, 
half of his job is just keeping us back on track. Come on, from free from distraction, just say, get back on track, stay on point, stay with the mission. How many know if, if COVID has shut your church down, why was it open in the first place? No pandemic is going to shut a church of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not just talking about being closed once a week or doing an online service. I'm talking about the, the purpose that you exist. I'm talking about the life and the structure and everything that, you, that, that it really entails you as a church. If that kills you as a church then why were you living in the first place? Why were you existing in the first place? I believe that we need to be centered around the mission of Jesus Christ. We're not centered around how much money we can make. We're not centered around how much people we can gather. How many know our gatherings may be limited, but our goings are never limited? The government may be able to limit your gatherings, but they can never limit the goings of the church. And we need to be more concerned about the going of the church than the gathering of the church. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, it's not in the gathering of the saints. It's in the equipping of the saints to go. And so some of you are crying because, oh, the government told us we can't meet. Who cares? That's not going to stop the mission. We need to be so caught up with the mission that if a pandemic comes through, we're even more excited, we're more passionate, we're more strategic about our mission. And I'm, I'm calling you back to the mission today. I want to encourage your heart today. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Don't get caught up in a culture that really isn't going anywhere. Get caught up in the mission of Jesus Christ. Because listen, Jesus never stopped the mission. He just, he just expected you to carry it on. Can somebody say amen? He finished his part. Someone said, well, Jesus said it's finished. He's finished. No, he finished his part of the covenant. He did his part of what he needed to do. Now he turns around and said, I'm going to empower you to do your part, which is going to continue on my mission. Amen. So I'm excited about the mission. So how many believe that there's an open door? Amen. And there's an open door over our city today. Think about the churches in, in the book of Revelation, and then I'll move on. Five out of the seven churches had to repent. Jesus said there were seven. Now, Philadelphia wasn't one of them. Amen. But how many know we know that about Philadelphia today? I think they kind of need to repent. But anyways, that's beside the point. Amen. So I believe that notice something about the churches here. They, what did they have to repent from? Well, they had to, well, I think they uh, repented from sin. and No. What did they have to repent from? The Bible says they had to repent from where it was they were supposed to be. Is that what the Bible says? You're not where I called you to be. You're not being who I called you to be. Repent and do your first works again. So they had to repent from where it was they were supposed to be in God and what they were supposed to be doing. Jesus referred to this as a fallen state. How many know when a church gets away from the mission, you become fallen? You get into a fallen state. Then your eyes get on money. They get on Politics, they get on this, they get on that, they get on the beautiful, you know, how beautiful the building is, how expensive everything is. Listen, we need to get just keep our vision and our eyes on the mission of Jesus Christ. It's okay, it's quiet. I, I believe that, amen. But how many know we, we've got to stay on point, we've got to stay on mission. And guess what? The mission, our mission, is not to just huddle in some fort and wait till Jesus come back and shoot arrows out every once in a while. Hope the devil doesn't overtake the church. 
How many know our mission is all about souls? Our mission is about winning people, to, letting them hear the gospel, giving them the opportunity to get saved. Listen, it's more about being on the offense than it is about being on the defense. And yet churches are all trying to be on the defense. And people are all on defense. Don't, that's not what God's called us to be. We, we live out of what we believe, not out of what we don't believe in. There's so many Christians that kind of live their life on what they're not allowed to do as opposed to what they are supposed to do and can do. Amen. And so I believe we need to stay focused on the mission. Can you imagine Jesus comes to a church and he says, you're not fulfilling the mission from the very beginning. You're a fallen church. You have prophecy, you have this, you have good works, you have this, you have that, you have this, but you're not fulfilling the mission. You're not doing the mission. I, I, you know, someone said to me, well, we just need more prophecy in the church. We need more gifts of the Spirit in the church. And I had to respond to this person. Let me just tell you something. I would rather see one soul saved than hear more prophecies. That may hurt you, but that's the truth. Because the greatest miracle is not somebody getting out of a wheelchair. The greatest miracle is the regeneration of a heart. Amen. Is the rebirth of a person. Amen. Once they were in the kingdom of darkness, headed for hell and destruction and, and eternity without Jesus, and in a, in a moment of time, here they are, amen, with a regenerated spirit, a new heart, amen, and they're a new person in Christ, and they're headed for eternity. I mean, that's the greatest miracle. We don't have medicine that can do that. That's by God himself. That's the greatest miracle that we can hope for. Is that right? These things are only to assist us in our mission. The gifts of the Spirit are only to assist us in the mission that Jesus called us to. There's so many people that they have got so many prophecies and that's all they want is they want good services, they want prophecy. They all, that's all they want. They, they don't care about people dying. They don't realize that, that the gifts of the Spirit aren't for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so look at Matthew chapter 24 says that Jesus he himself said in verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise, and he's prophesying about the end times, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold or get colder towards the Lord. But he that in, shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the only thing that can stop the gospel and the only thing that can hinder the gospel is himself. Paul said, I don't want to hinder the gospel. What can hinder the gospel? Right here, us. The gospel, how many know, cannot be hindered in any country. No government can hinder the gospel from coming into that country and saving souls. Come on, somebody. Nobody can hinder the power of the gospel. Nobody can stop it. Nobody can, you know, but how many know we can, we can hinder it as Christians by not preaching the gospel? Paul said, I, I can hinder it. I can hinder it. He said, only Christians can hinder it by not preaching it. I mean, just think about it. And so we look at the book of Acts. It just did not stop the gospel, the Roman Empire. I mean, all, all the things that are happening uh, even the, the religious sect there, they could not stop the preaching of the gospel. Paul said, the only one that can hinder it was me. He said, I, I, I don't want to hinder the gospel. And so I believe that Jesus never stopped his mission. I believe that. I, I believe that we are to reject everything that diminishes the mission, everything that brings a distraction. We've, we've got to really be careful and walk according to the mission that Jesus has called us to uh, in our lives. And so... 
Uh, also, I, I want to just throw this out that uh, a few years ago, I just really kind of thought this was that, you know, religion really starts with the idea that a move of God happens in the church first. Religion happens in our hearts when we believe that, that if, if you want to get a word from God, you got to go to church. If you want to feel better about yourself, you got to go to church. If you want to do a religious duty, go to church. How many know it doesn't start there? Revival never starts in the church first. That's religion. Revival starts in the hearts of all of us. And then it goes to our homes. And then it comes to the church. Can, can somebody say Amen. We are waiting for the church to do everything when God's saying, I'm waiting for you to be the church. Amen. Well, i got to go to church to feel better. I've got to get my fix on. If I don't go to church, if I don't show You know, there's people that preach the gospel about this is how they preach the gospel. you got to get back in church. That's their message of the gospel. How many know that's not the gospel? That's not the gospel. Is that right? Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so, listen, we can be hindered out of our gatherings, but we are not going to be hindered on our goings. We're not going to be hindered with the gospel. And so I, I think that's important that, that there's no pandemic, there's no disaster, there's no persecution, there's nothing that can hinder the mission from being fulfilled. I, I, I just want to be a part of it. And I think that's what the book of Revelation here in the church of Philadelphia is addressing. So I believe that just like the churches here in, in, in Revelation, we've got to understand that we are to, we, it's, it's, we have to understand this. We've got to understand where we are and we've got to be willing to make the, the mission central again. I believe that's one of the things God's challenging us as Christians. Churches, I'm talking to pastors all the time, and we're right there. We're all together. All the churches are together. We're just, we're right there with this pandemic. We're, everybody's kind of in the same boat as you were um, in, that, in that sense. But I believe that like the churches in Revelation, we've got to understand where we are and willing to make the mission central again. That's what happened with the book of Revelation. Uh, Jesus constantly said, this is, you know, this is where you are, this is where you need to be. And I think that it's important this, as a church to do that. But also, like the churches in Revelation, we, we've got to do this. And that we, can make, we can make excuses, couldn't we? You know, there's churches in, in, in Jesus dealt with, and he said they made excuses. They blamed other people. They justified their lifestyle. They ran away from the call of God. They, they were distracted. They were discouraged from the call of God. We can be that way. But how many know we've got to encourage ourselves to the mission of Jesus Christ? And, and I just want to throw this out, and, and just as a side note here, is that I believe that the, the picture of Jacob wrestling with the angel is kind of like where the church is today. I'm, I'm not this big prophetic voice on, on where the church is, and I, I'm constantly asking my, my pastor friends, what's God doing, what God's saying? You know, I don't feel like I have the monopoly on what God's saying. I, I'm searching it out. I'm, I'm trying to hear God in these days. Um, but, but I believe that also, like Jacob, is like the church. Because Jacob, the picture of Jacob was is that he wrestled with the angel. And yes, he was changed in his name and his identity was changed. But the significance about that story is, is that Jacob was going from one place to another. He was going from where he had been for the last 25 years to where God wanted him to be in the first place. And I believe it's kind of like the church. We're, we're wrestling with this thing. We're in this, this thing that God is doing something new in the church. God's doing something awesome in the church. And how many know that the thing that really changed Jacob was an injury? It was a time in his life where he received an injury. And I don't know about you, but it feels like that the church is receiving an injury right now. But how many know this is going to change our walk? This is going to change our identity because we're going from where we were to where God wants us to be. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be where God was. 
I mean, there's whole people that live their life on and preach and teach and sing and their whole worship service is about where God was. I want to be where God is. And Jacob said, listen, God, I've been in this place in my life and I was running from my brother. Now I'm going back to where I, I was born. I'm going back to where my inheritance was. I'm going back to where you wanted me to be. And I don't know about you, but I believe the church is right there. Almost like that picture of Jacob that we're kind of wrestling with the angel. But, you know, how many know when this is all said and done, when all these, these stipulations and all this stuff, confusion and everything is said and done, I believe the church has got to take on a new identity. I believe God's giving us a new name. And the storyline of Jacob changed. And I'm, I'm trusting that through this pandemic, the storyline of the church is going to change. No longer do we want to just kind of like have the comforts of our life. We're going to look on the needs of others. No longer do we want just to kind of just have the best for ourselves, but we want to, amen, fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a passion and a drive. Jesus said that in the book, in the book of Revelation, the church of Philadelphia and Laodicea and Ephesus. He said, get back to that passion. And I'll deal with that in just a little bit in closing. But also, I just wanted to say this, is that Jacob cried out and he said, I want you to bless me. I want you to bring a blessing in my life because I want, you to, I want to know that you're with me. I want to know that you're walking with me to the new place that I need to go. And I believe that by faith, as we'll continue to hold on to what God has promised, I believe that God's going to open new doors for the church, our church. Come on, amen? For the door fellowship, God's going to open new doors for us. But I believe, just, just throw these things out, that what the church of, in America, or what the church of America, just like the church in Philadelphia was addressed, I believe that the, the church in America, we could say, like Philadelphia, can turn from. There's a few things that we can turn from. I believe that as just as Jesus was speaking to the church in Philadelphia to turn through from some things, I believe that it's time that we came to a place where we turn from some things. Just like Jacob, that we turned from one direction and we went another direction. I believe that one of the first things is looking for a ministry away from the mission of Jesus Christ. There's so many people that are looking for a dynamic ministry. You know, they want to be of this ministry and that ministry, and yet they're not faithful to the basic mission of Jesus Christ of winning souls. We're constantly trying to be the next best prophet and the and next biggest church and, and next richest, you know, uh, jet-flying pastor. You know, I, I believe that we, we've got to stop overlooking the simple mission. We're looking to a pastor or looking to a, a person or looking to a ministry to, to tell us where to go and what to do. And, and so if we give money, if we support that and we're faithful to that mission, we feel like we're doing something for the mission of Jesus. But how many know you're not? You're actually just supporting somebody else's mission, right? But we, we've got to get to a place where we stop looking for a ministry. As I said a few uh, months ago or several months ago, there's so many people that are prophets on Facebook. There's so many people that are new pastors on Facebook that if, if Facebook went down, so many people would be out of the ministry. Right? You'd instantly lose your, your church. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. We've got to be faithful to the mission of Jesus. Everything you need as a Christian, every purpose, every significance about your purpose and about your future is wrapped up in the mission of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you get involved in the ministry and the mission of Jesus, you'll have more ministry than you can, you can stand. Amen? Someone said, well, I, I, I'm, God's called me to prophesy out of the church. Well, that's great. But, you know, how is that impacting the world? Anyways. Anyways, so what the church, I believe, needs to turn from is that, that we need to turn from the validation from the political system. What do I mean by that? I believe that, you know, you, you can't really, no government, I said this before, no government can legitimize the church. 
We don't get our significance because of a political person or political climate in our... Come on. We are the church, period. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We are the church. And I believe that we've got to stop looking for our validation through a political system or through a system in the world. Uh, We cannot expect to have really the government legalize righteousness. People are waiting for the government to legalize righteousness. How many know only God's word can do that in somebody's heart? Anybody? Well, I'm just waiting till they make this illegal and that illegal. And that's what I'm praying for. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You need to witness and preach the gospel and wait till somebody gets saved. Then all of a sudden they don't want to do those things in their heart. And there's something going on inside, right? Amen. There's already something. Come on. You you just can't do that. And so I believe that. And so just like Moses and Daniel in the book of Acts, they just didn't wait for the validation from the political system to preach the gospel. And so I I think the other thing is is that we we are kind of get away from is being an experience-driven people. That everything is about an emotional experience. That if you don't have a good emotional experience at church, that somehow that church isn't valid. That church isn't Holy Ghost. That church isn't powerful. That church isn't living. That church isn't good. All right, you can say amen. Everything is experience. And if I don't feel a fix in worship, then man, God doesn't love me. I'm not close to Jesus. I don't feel right in my... Listen, that's not about it. We can't be experience-driven. And I know people that all they do is just, just go from one you know, conference or another. They're just looking for this prophecy and this dreamer and this seer. And, and, and they want to hear about the, the crowns and the, and, and the diamonds and the rubies and the feathers from angels and the... We got to get away from experience. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking with you. That's serious. I mean, there's, that's, that's real in the church today. I mean, people are just praying, you know, for I want oil to drip from the walls again and all this stuff. Listen, we're not experience driven people, we are truth driven people. And we worship God in spirit and in truth, not experience and feeling. Whether God touches me or not on a Sunday, I still know that my worship counts to Him. Amen. All right, well, i got to leave that one alone. All right, so church, a church that becomes emotional and, and driven by emotional experiences becomes sensual and really distracted from the mission. I mean, and, and so we, we, God's pulling us away from that. How many can say those days are over? Amen. The experience, if you think about it, the experience that we long for is the experience really for people that don't know Jesus yet. That's who the experience is for. And so all that we do in this church, uh, out to the parking lot and the greeters and the worship and the lights and all those things are to create something that people can really receive Jesus Christ and really open up to, to the gospel. It's not about just being, uh, you know, experiencing something sensual and then God loves you. No, it's really about the experience for people that don't know Jesus Christ. That's why we put money into advertising and promoting and social media because we're all about people learning about Jesus. Amen. Because it's the experience is for them. I mean, no, Christians don't need to experience salvation 50,000 times in a row. Amen. You have His presence in your heart. You don't need to try to feel it every day. If you do, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome. Amen. Come on. Well, the worship, you know, I just didn't hit it today. It just wasn't there for me. I didn't experience anything. Well, you just totally missed God. Because God is, inhabits the praises of His people. Whether they're on tune or not. Whether they're singing old songs or new songs or not. It doesn't matter. God inhabits the praises of His people. Come on. Anyways, and the fourth thing, and, and as I hurry along here and make a, a short point even longer, and that is this, is that we've got to stop, really get away from and turn from social distancing from the lost. 
I've noticed that Christians keep their distance. Most of the average Christians keeps their distance. We have a neighbor moves in or a person moves in in our neighborhood. And, and you know what we want? Oh, they're Christians. Oh, we can pray together. Oh, we can encourage them. We can put up little things in our lawn that are Christian. Ooh. Some of you live in neighborhoods. Nobody's a Christian. They're the most ungodly people on the planet Earth. You are in the right place at the right time. So mission field is, uh, you know, experience. Do you have, but, you know, and we do this. And, and, you know, it's not so much that we don't care about the poor, don't care about those in need. We don't know those who are lost. But Jesus knew, took the time to know people who were lost so that he could give them what they needed. Amen. Which was the gospel. And so I think that's just something that God's been working on us for. All right, so that's what we need to turn from. What do we turn to? How many know? Because it's not you just don't turn from something, you turn to. And so what did Jesus talk about in the book of Revelation? He said, don't just turn from something, turn to something. And I believe we need to turn to, as the church, the passion of our first love, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. The development of strong and mature believers, that's what we need to turn to. The Bible says that the world is longing for mature Christians, for people to grow up in their faith and stop running around and just, and, and just want feeling all the time. Just grow up in your faith so that you can go out and tell somebody about, about Jesus Christ. How many know you don't stay in a hospital even when you're well? You get out of the hospital to make room for people who need to be in the hospital. Amen? And so I think that, you know, the development of strong Christians. So the power of God's presence. The third thing is, is what we can turn to is the power of the presence of Jesus to those who are lost. The power of God working in our lives through gifts of the Spirit, through, through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, through good works and through uh, the love of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. Through How many know good character goes a long way? Amen. Godly character. This is what we need to be involved with. Good works that bring glory to Jesus, as the Bible says and talks to us about that over and over again. This is what we need to turn to. Good works that bring glory to Jesus. I'm not talking about good works that try to get somebody saved. I'm talking about good works that bring glory to Jesus. How many know you've been called to good works? Three people, that's awesome. But, you know, we're going to have three good works this week. Well, that's great. So, and then the fifth thing is, is multiplying believers through discipleship. Every time you read the book of Acts, I'm hurrying here. Every time you read the book of Acts, you'll see the Bible says that what happened was, whether it's persecution or whatever was going on, you know, it didn't matter. Here's what you see in the book of Acts. You see this. You see that every time that the gospel was preached, disciples multiplied. The Bible says that the number of Pharisees that turned to the Lord was a result of preaching the gospel more than they ever had before. Did you know that? Did you know that it brought multiplication to the church? It brought multiplication to the believers and disciples. The Bible says that, that as the gospel was preached, as the word of God was proclaimed, the, the amount of disciples grew, they multiplied and increased. That's pretty good, isn't it? How many know God's into multiplication? Not into division or subtraction. He's into multiplication. Amen. And so that's what happens when we begin to get back to the mission. Amen. Believers are multiplied. That's a good thing, isn't it? I said, that's a good thing, isn't it? How many need more believers at your job? You need more believers in your family, amen. Well, they're multiplied when we began to get back to the mission of Jesus. And in closing, I'm going to share the mission concepts. People will know we are Christians by the love we have for each other. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also declares that people will know that God is real when they see your good works. Matthew chapter 6. People will be saved when they hear the gospel. This is, these are mission concepts that the Bible teaches us that are so powerful. When you're, you know, I believe that you're the closest to the heart of God 
when the mission is the priority and the primary subject that is keeping the church alive. We're the closest to the heart of God. Someone said, well, I'm the closest to the heart of God when I worship and sing these deep songs. Yeah, that, that's good. God's calling us back to the heart of worship. We sang that years ago. That's awesome. But I believe that we're the closest to the heart of God when we walk in the mission of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because Jesus said, my mission is to do the meat, the will of him that sent me. That's what it's all about, to finish his work. That's what he's calling me to do. And so that's what Jesus said. So God took the time to invest in you. Did you know that? God really took the time to invest in you. He not just called you and gifted you. He resourced you and he's with you. I mean, he took the time to call you into the mission. And, and more and more, I believe that we're going to talk about this as a church, that our mission is to walk in what God has for us. Amen. You know, I, I really recently heard a tremendous sermon by John Bevere on the calling of God and the ministry that God has for you. How many know we've got to have this revelation in the church today? I mean, you've got to have this revelation. God's called you. He's gifted you. I, I, I think that people spend their whole life not knowing what the gift that God has given them. They wonder what it is. Everybody kind of reverts to it and they see someone prophesying. They say, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to be able to tell people the future. No, that's, that's not what it's about. <laughs> Amen. People see, you know, like the book of Acts, when they saw uh, the, the apostles laying hands on them, they said, how much money we got to pay for that? That's what I want. I want that kind of power. I want to walk in a grocery store and heal everybody. How many know, but, but, but we've got to understand that God has called all of us. God has given us all of his giftings. Why? For the mission. It's all for the mission of Jesus. The mission has not stopped. Come on, somebody. The mission has not stopped. It continues or should continue with us, the church. Amen. And I believe that one of the things that are so important is that people cannot argue with results. When you preach the gospel and they see it working in your life, how many know people can't argue with results? You just can't do it. In fact, you know, something about it attracts people. I, I don't, I, I've noticed that when you have something that's working and it's cool and it's like, you know, I, I, I've been to uh, uh, recently, we, last year we purchased this, this, at the OC we purchased this dump trailer, right? right? I'm really into that. Anyways, so... Guys really get into dump trailers. Yes. And, uh, and, and so we, we purchase. And every time I go to the transfer station, every time I go there, I've got people every time talk to me about, I'd like to get one of those. Those are cool. Tell me about it. Man, I'd like to want to get one. I, you know. And so what happens is I realize i got something here that really people want. This is something cool. Right? Well, that's the way it is with the gospel. The gospel is like people are like, wow, where do you get that? That's pretty cool. I, 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 I mean, I'm working here, I'm doing this, and I'm trying to, well, you know, but, but, but you've got something, and I, that, I really want that. Where do you get that? I mean, people have taken down the phone number of the company. They've asked me where I got it, how much I paid for it. I mean, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, and I'm like wait a second, I'm like preaching the gospel about a dump trailer here. And, and I need to, this is, this is the way it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you have the good news, people want it, right? You can't argue with the results. Is that right? You can't argue with the results. I mean, we get around rich people, famous people, and all we think is, how did you do that? How can I be rich? How can I be famous? How can you do this? You got that. I want that. How can I do that, right? Well, that's the way it is with the gospel. How many of you can't argue with results? When people see it working in your life, they're going to want to ask. That's why the Bible says, be ready and prepared. People are going to ask you of the reason, the hope that lies within you. I don't have that. I need that. I want that. Where'd you get it? How many of you know that's the power of mission? And so I think that's why it's so important that we stay focused on the mission. And I, I just wanted to exhort you today and just kind of talk to you about the mission today. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I don't, I just, I don't, it's not a well-polished thing, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I feel like through all, everything that's going on, let's keep our focus on the mission of Jesus Christ. 
Because when it's all said and done, how many know the gospel is going to outlast governments? The gospel is going to outlast, amen, any kind of economic climate. A gospel overtakes everything. I mean, it's a gospel of Jesus Christ that we have been called to. And so as Jesus was faithful in his day with the mission that God gave him, I want to be faithful in my day with the, God, the, the mission that Jesus is giving us. Can you say amen? Can we stand on our feet today? I believe that it's important to understand, you know, when I worship and I come to these services, I think it's important to understand something. You know, when you come to the revelation that, that Jesus wants you to desire him as much as he desires you. I mean, that's an amazing revelation. That's an amazing revelation. Will you understand that Jesus wants you to desire him as much as he desires you? That's an amazing revelation. But also, an amazing revelation is to understand is that he, God wants you to want what He wants. God wants you to want those things. He wants you to desire what He desires. He wants you to follow after what He is, is in His heart. And as Jesus said, and He expressed the heart of, of God the Father, and He expressed it, and He said that He did not call me to the righteous. He called me to sinners, called them to repentance. This is the heart of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I want what my Father wants. When Jesus was 12 years old, He said, I've got to be busy about my Father's business. What He was saying was that my desires, my want, is to want what God wants. My desire is to desire what God desires, and that is to reach the lost, to preach the gospel. And someone said, well, brother, we've heard this a hundred times, but you know, this is what God is saying is, gives our church significance here in Williamsport. This is what gives us significance is that we're so attached to the, to the mission of Jesus and that it's central in our church. You know, our, our vision, grow, uh, you know, to, to love, grow, reach, that mission statement isn't just a good thing that we sat down and came up with or just made up or looked online and got that. We realize that what God wants us to do, how can we put in words what God wants us to do? How can we fulfill the mission? How can we put in that into our vernacular? How can we put that in a phrase? that would fit what God wants us to do. And that's, that's everything that we do here, whether it's the youth ministry, children's ministry, music, whatever it is, we say, listen, we want to make sure that we're fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. Everything has to be about the mission. Can somebody say amen? How many believe that God's called you to the mission? Amen? So let's ask ourselves, what are we doing to take steps to, to move in the mission? To, how am I fulfilling the mission? How am I living a little bit closer today in the mission of Jesus Christ? And so I believe that as we get ready to close this year out, we're celebrating Christmas. That's awesome and wonderful. Getting ready to open up another year. For us, that's very significant. But let me just say this. I, I want to be bound and determined more than ever to be a church that's really intentional, missional, and fruitful. I, I believe that we just need to, to be that way. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, wherever you're going, whoever you're with, this week, is just say, God, I want to walk in the mission of Jesus. I want to be missional. Jesus, that's all you thought about was pleasing your Father. Living in the mission of your Father. That's what I want. And you know something? We, we beat ourselves up because we didn't do this this week. and We're not like that person and we didn't do this. And God might not like that about us. And You know, listen, you need to come to the place where you just start resting in the fact that God's called you. God's equipped you. God's enabling you. God's with you. He wants you to walk in His mission. And when you walk in His mission... I'm telling you, when you walk in His mission, there's something that you feel fulfilled. You don't feel like you're grappling for this and that and everything and lost and searching for this. And so you feel so fulfilled 
in the mission of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus did it, right? Come on, so that we will be fulfilled. And so today, let's pray and say, ask, ask the Lord to help us live in a greater measure, a greater way in the mission of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you today that as you came and you visited that church, Philadelphia, here we are, Pennsylvanians. Lord, we want to say we want to be that church. And we want to be like that, Lord, that you call us faithful. We don't want to be distracted or the door closed or we're doing other things that we're not supposed to be doing as a church. We want to be focused on the mission of Jesus. We want it to be central theme in our church, whatever we do. The fellowship that we have with one another, we want it to be about the mission. We want it to be about not just our friendship, but our mission, the mission, Lord. And so we pray, God, today. That those that don't know you and they're listening and the, that know us and we can touch them and we know them we, through relationship. We pray that, Lord, they would hear about the mission through our lives today in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and all the glory and we just expect awesome things to happen as we walk in the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.